Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor. I'm the founder of Journey to Success Radio and the creator of the Journeys to Success book series. Uh, you can find out more about me and this radio show at the website, journeytosuccessradio.com. We have an amazing show today with an amazingly good friend and one of the authors of the Journeys to Success books. Our co-host is Brad Zalas. He's my mentor, my number one butt-kicking coach, and, you know, if you have a good coach, half the time you're mad at them uh, because they're telling you <laughs> things you probably know you should do anyway. And so that works uh, for Brad and I. We figured that out. Uh, Brad, introduce yourself, and uh, if you're sitting at your computer to have the bio, you could introduce our guest. If not, I'll be happy to do that. You, you'll have to do that. I'm not at my computer. I am wandering about like uh, we do in the 21st century, but I'll introduce myself. I'm Brad Zalas, uh, best known as the author of Liquid Leadership from Woodstock to Wikipedia. And if you're curious about what I do, I help you engage a millennial or cross-generational workforce. And you can find everything out about me at liquidleadership.com. And I'm extremely excited today uh, for our guest who's on. Uh, Tom, you want to take it away? Yeah, definitely. We have an uber-talented, uber and multi-talented guest today, Sarah Gabriella. She rejoices in using her creative talents as a storyteller to impact the world. She recently became a best-selling author with the publication of our Journeys to Success uh, Millennials Edition, uh, based on the success principles of Napoleon Hill. Uh, she, uh, she adds that to her list of accomplishments as she adds a new medium, nonfiction literature, to her storytelling repertoire. Ooh, what a great word. Sarah writes for national media. She's a published poet. A uh, frequent contributor to a variety of blogs and websites, and fiction author working on a collection of short stories and a novel. Uh, one of her poems I was blessed to hear uh, in California at the Think and Grow Rich Summit, based on the amazing book Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. She's a San Francisco Bay Area native, currently calling sunny Southern California home. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Oh, my gosh. So glad to be here. Thank you so much, Tom. And, I mean, this is just, you know, can't get any more perfect for me. I get to, you know, have a conversation with you, who I totally admire everything you do with the Napoleon Hill and Journeys to Success. I just think it's, you know, amazing the way you have such a heart for helping people really live their, reach their fullest potential. And I also count Brad Zollis among one of my mentors. And yes, one of the amazing things about him, and it's, even though he's one of the nicest guys you'll meet, uh, as a coach, he will kick your butt. <laughs> hey, 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 I'm getting and, a bad um, reputation here. But, <laughs> but only to make you better. 
And I've definitely, he's definitely made me better. So. Well, thank um, you so much. So, yeah. For so I'm very me. grateful to be here with both of you guys today. Amazing. Well, Brad, you know, if I get a, a Napoleon Hill fan on a show, I'm going to like, I'm going to dominate the interview. So I'll let you get the first question in and then the next one's going to be something about Napoleon Hill. Well, I, I just want everybody who's listening to know the three of us met back in 2013 at a Napoleon Hill summit. It was one of the first, believe it or not, one of the first annual Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich summits. And uh, we got a chance to meet each other and spend a couple of days together and break bread and everything. And I think what was really amazing is Sarah was incredibly impressive. She came out. Um, she was our MC on the first day. She read a poem. She just carried the day. And for those of you who don't know, Sarah's a millennial. <laughs> and I specialize in millennials, and she kicks butt. So I'm going to dive right in. And I'm just going to hit you with a heavy one, Sarah. It's not even on your list. It's like, why do you do oh. what you do? <laughs> why do you do what you do? Okay. I do what I do because I am in love with stories. I mean, stories and storytelling has been a passion for me ever since, you know, I was this awkward, shy you bookworm. <laughs> I definitely, you know, uh, came into, you know, my social graces later in life. So I was the worm long before I became the social butterfly. And so um, really just kind of being kind of a precarious book, you know, bookwormish type of a kid, I really went to stories for the reason I think a lot of us do, to feel like you're not alone, to feel, you know, to find the universal human experience that we're all sharing here, kind of be like, okay, it's not just me that has doubts. It's not just me that has fears. It's not just me that dreams of, uh, of you know, being part of a bigger world of adventure and possibility. So that was really my first connection. And I remember going to the, to the little library and um, they, would, they, had, they always had the five book checkout limit. They want you to check out more than five so that may, they made sure that they got them back before they give you, gave you more. And I used to plead with them, no, please, <laughs> I'm not going to be back here for a week. I need more. <laughs> so that's where it all started. And then as I've grown and stuff, I just realized that, yeah, again, you know, um, stories are something we fundamentally share as a culture. And uh, whether they're addressing, you know, those big fundamental questions of life, um, who are we, what is true, or whether, you know, they are getting us outside ourselves, that that is just something that, or how narratives make meaning, you know, out of chaos or out of randomness. Um, so all these different reasons that we, we connect from from the time that I was reading them and then by about 10 I was writing them. It's just kind of been, been my way. And now that I think that's part of really part of my profound purpose in life is to, to use stories and their power to expand awareness and speak truth and, you know, whether that's you know, writing articles on issues that make a social impact and organizations that make a short, an impact, whether it's journeys to success and kind of sharing how it's impacted my life and, and, and brought me along and how it can help others or whether, you know, it's poetry or, or helping businesses tell their story you know, and helping business owners out there connect with, with their audience. It's, yeah, I, Sarah, it's my greatest you, joy. So, I, 
and I don't mean to jump in, but you were on film and on camera. You've been in Hollywood, and I've seen you do these amazing interviews of business owners, and I think this is where a lot of people misunderstand the storytelling part. They think that storytelling is, I'm just going to get up here and talk and tell you this thing, and it's performance <laughs> art. And, and it really boils down to how are we driving business through this story? And people are just starting to discover that the story can really convert a sale. And uh, I want you to talk a little bit about that, but you did a great interview that I watched that you did in Vegas. Who was that with? And, and just tell us a minute uh, of what that experience was like, if you can. Okay, I know exactly who you're referring to. That <laughs> yeah. was when I interviewed the incomparable Oscar Good- Goodman, who was at that point no longer mayor, but, you know, long-term time mayor of Las Vegas, who's now been replaced by his wife, Carolyn Goodman. <laughs> and, I mean, just true true to himself, 9 a.m. interview, and he's already got the gin martini with his two olives, you know, right next to him, <laughs> breakfast of champions. But, yeah, that was just, I mean, that was that was a great time. So he, it was relevant in terms of he was coming out with his new book, right? So it was kind of like this tell-all. But we discussed everything from how to bury a body um, <laughs> to, to, to his journey into social media, and to which he looked at me and goes, LOL. And I'm going, oh, gosh, this guy is just too cool. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was a fun one. It, it's so powerful to watch some of these stories. And plus, you're in your element when you do these interviews. And you also do production as well to help tell that story. Am I correct? Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to wear many hats. And that I co-produced that as well as hosted it for that interview. And I've jumped in in front of the camera, behind the camera. It's all a platform, kind of right. platform neutral when it comes to storytelling. So whether it's print, whether it's digital, whether it's, you know, with the camera, whether it's these new emerging technologies and that are doing really, really cool things, taking storytelling to another level, like virtual reality and augmented reality. I think that there's just, I mean, it's really exciting all these different ways we have to engage with stories now. That's exciting. So I'm all about it. <laughs> Neat. All right, Sarah, let's get to Napoleon Hill. <laughs> how, uh, how old were you when you first read Think and Grow Rich? Did someone tell you you should or must read it? And then how did you get on to outwitting the devil uh, after Think and Grow Rich? And just by the way, many people have told me that they think outwitting the devil is going to impact as many or more people than Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, the first time I held a copy, uh, it was kind of a worn copy of Think and Grow Rich was my mom handed it to me, actually. And I had just left Los Angeles, where I was working in television, and I ended up uh, in Las Vegas to help my mom out for a little while, who was caring for uh, my grandparents and my niece. And so I was going through a little bit of a reinvent reinvention phase. Um, and my chapter talks about this in Journeys to Success. So I was kind of reinventing myself. I was no longer, you know, proximity-wise. I was a whole state away from the entertainment in the industry. And 
I had also realized that not quite all that glitters is gold, you know, through going to Hollywood and working in Hollywood and uh, kind of being in the thick of it and not just seeing it, you know, through a screen. And so all these things were kind of, you know, coming coming to pass. And uh, my mom handed me um, Think and Grow Rich as well as Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad. And it it changed me and you know, it changed the course of my life. Set me on a path to become an entrepreneur, which has just been amazing. And really, for the first time, I had information on how to live a successful and purposeful life. You know, I had two college degrees and written research papers and projects and taken classes on all kinds of things. Yet never has, you know, anyone really handed me a complete guide for success. It's something you'd be, I believe, they should start teaching in elementary schools. Um, Nevada wants to put a bill on the law where they're going to have to teach financial literacy. Even that would be a start. So that was very eye-opening for me. Right. And uh, Sharon Lecter is behind a lot of that financial literacy movement and getting it in schools. And she's the co-author of Outwitting the Devil with Napoleon Hill, which is pretty cool to co-author with someone who's been dead for quite some time. Oh, by the way, do you remember at the Think and Grow Rich Summit that Don Green, the executive director of the foundation, had the original Outwitting the Devil in a big red binder that was straight from Napoleon Hill's typewriter? Did you guys see that? I do. And actually, I got to shake hands with Sharon Lecter, and that was just a total highlight (laughs) of my life. I hugged her. And I freaked her out, I think. <laughs> that guy's a stalker. Did you get security? I was like, I will, I will never wash this hand again. There you go. Uh, I just want to jump in here real quick because uh, for those of your Napoleon Hill fans and maybe not know about the book and the audio, Outwitting the Devil, uh, Napoleon Hill wrote this immediately after Think and Grow Rich was published. And it was really an add-on. It should have come out earlier, but it was suppressed for 75 years. And the reason is, I mean, you'll understand as soon as you read it, <laughs> by chapter two or three, you'll start to go, whoa. Um, but he mm-hmm. tears down all the ivory towers of society that actually indoctrinate people. And it, it's mind-blowing. And you can see, I mean, Sarah and Tom, you both know, day two of that event, was devoted to outwitting the devil and it went into some very deep parts it's almost as if you read think and grow rich and you go this is amazing and you you work at it and you work at it for years and then when you pick up outwitting the devil it's like there's the buttonhole that locks the key and closes the door on your knowledge of this and now you understand the full capacity of what he was trying to say uh, it, but he disagree with me on that, or do you agree on that? Definitely. I would, yeah, I absolutely agree. What surprised me, you know, just kind of mind-blown moment without witting the devil was that I mentioned earlier about turning to culture and stories and that kind of stuff can make us feel connected, you know, and alive. But there's another part to it that we can become just hypnotized, numb, 
just mechanical walking through, you know, every day and not really feeling alive, not being dead, but not being alive. And then the way that, you know, different things in our society can't, you know, do almost you know, hypnotize us to sleep. And you you can have a situation where you, you're getting up, you're working at a job you're not really that into. So, you know, for eight hours a day plus commute, you're kind of checked out. And then you come home and then you, whether it's TV or video games or, you know, whatever your, your, your pleasure is, a couple of glasses of wine and you, you continue the checkout and how we, you know, we can just kind of end up being a culture of zombies if we're not really careful about guarding our own mind and guarding, you know, living a really self-empowered, self-directed life. And that's what, uh, when that hit me, I was just like, whoa. And that's what really was the catalyst for me to write There is a Voice, which was the poem based on Outwitting the Devil. Well, it's, uh, he, he calls people who uh, tuned out and are just in that throes of society flowing them uh, here in two, he calls them drifters. And those who have broken mm-hmm. away from that are non-drifters. And I would imagine the first time you yeah. break away from the group think, it's like a writer facing a blank page, right? <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> scary. Great analogy. <laughs> you know, and, and it's so it wakes you up too to the just to the you know epiphany that it is your responsibility really to control your own life because. By default, if you're not, you are, you're just going to drift. And, right. you know, what kind of life is that, you know? Um, we should start a, a hashtag, non-drifters. <laughs> hey, I like mm-hmm. that. But, but seriously, how do you as a writer, a storyteller, a filmmaker as well, um, how do you face that blank page without freaking out? Because I know uh, both Tom and I are authors as well. You're an author. Um, there are moments when you do have that uh, writer's block, maybe, um, and you face that blank page, especially at the beginning of a project. How how do you deal with that, Sarah? One way I deal with that is by the knowledge that I am not alone, whether, you know, it's people I admire, such as you, and I know Tom's a writer, and whether it's recent interview I, I wrote, I read with, where they interviewed all the Oscar-winning screenwriters, whether it's writers that have written 40, 50 books, they all say the same, that that kind, a little bit of that fear never goes away. So to know that it's normal, I think helps a lot. The other way I deal with it is by having a ritual, a practice. And I think that that's really, you know, if you're going to be a productive writer, that having a practice is just going to be your best friend. And that practice includes a morning ritual of meditation, which I think really strengthens that inner voice. Holy and Hill calls the connection to, you know, higher intelligence, collective consciousness, God, the universe, whatever people call it, you know, that, that resonates with them. So that in the affirmations. Funny enough, I started about a year before Journeys to Success, I added an affirmation to my list that I do every morning. Say it as I visualize it happening. I like to do it in motion, so maybe as I'm stretching and stuff as well, add motion to it. But I added the affirmation, I am grateful for being a best-selling author. And, you know, that was before 
Journeys to Success even came in, and now I'm a best-selling author. So, I mean, it works. <laughs> and then so that morning ritual and then, you know, the stretching, just the blood, the blood flowing to the brain and just the movement. Because also, you know, emotions like fear, they are motivation. What happens is if you don't actually use them to motivate action, that's when you end up doing in them. And I think that's when they can kind of turn and cannibalize on you. But if you use them, you know, in the way that they're kind of, you know, meant to be used and to kind of spur action. So even if you just sit down and you just write one sentence and then, you know, and and maybe that's all you get at that time. And then you go take a walk or whatever. I mean, maybe that one sentence leads to a paragraph or to a page. But those are some of the ways just having that kind of ritual helps keep me grounded. Nice. Wow. One guy I really like is Stephen Pressfield. He wrote the books, a lot of books, but The War of Art is his first one, uh, first uh, nonfiction one, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. And he talks about, just like you say, just sit down and write. Sit down and write. (laughs) And write a lot and get all the distractions out of your life and just write. And he's written a lot of stuff that he just throws in the garbage or goes nowhere. But he's like, at least I'm writing. I'm perfecting my my uh, craft. And so just write. Now, speaking of writing, uh, you uh, do ghostwriting. And uh, I got paid to ghostwrite a book last year. Uh, but you can usually only ghostwrite for a nonfiction book, right? Yeah, generally it's stuff like speeches and memoirs and that kind of thing. Right now I'm talking to someone about ghostwriting their memoir. It's very interesting diving into that story because she just had the kind of life where she was in a lot of harrowing situations, ended up putting herself, you know, kind of drifting, right? Not thinking about it, just putting herself in these situations where a lot of harm could have come. and just never did. And she always ended up being okay. And and now she kind of realizes that why, you know, no harm ever came to her is because she had a greater purpose um, and a destiny that she's now, you know, living out. And, you know, just amazing. I could understand having that story inside of you and wanting to bear witness and wanting to get that story out. And not everybody has the, you know, the capability and the know-how and to do in the time to do that on their own. And so I love to to help people that have a story that need and want to get out to help them do that. Uh, But I've even ghostwritten stuff like uh, newsletters for CEOs, that kind of thing. You know, you you get the newsletters like from the desk of. That's, you know, the cool thing about ghostwriting too when you're doing it for a a public brand or a person is that, you get to kind of, it's a little bit of acting in there. You know, you have to become them in order to speak in their voice. So it's not, it's not, hey, you know, this is Sarah's point of view. You're really speaking on behalf of somebody else. So that's kind of cool. You get to kind of put the, yourself in their shoes and be them. And so that's, that's kind of fun too. Brad? I think it's it's very powerful what you do, Sarah, because uh, there's a whole industry of amazing people. And, you know, they're speakers, they're CEOs, they are at the top of their field, whoever it is. They don't realize that there are people like you behind that legend. 
that make them polish, make them look good, and really adapt to be able, being able to speak in their tone of voice. And the fact that you just brought that up uh, kind of uh, makes me realize this is a much harder job than most people realize. Um, being able to get into that mindset, sit down with somebody, and really write from their tone of voice. And uh, I take my hat off for you doing that. But uh, one of the things, and maybe you want to talk a little bit about this, is um, having today's technology really allows you uh, to have a greater reach and to help a lot of your clients um, get out there on multiple platforms. And, and do you want to talk a little bit about that technology and how you utilize that as well? Absolutely. I, being a millennial, you know, the whole digital thing uh, feels like it's just almost like a natural part of life in it's some ways. You. you know, but, but there is strategy to it. You know, I, uh, my friend Tammy Belt, and she's, uh, she does PR for businesses, and she always, you know, her tagline is communicating without a strategy. It's like building a house without a blueprint. It's like, yeah, you, you can. You need to use all these great digital, you know, platforms and mediums at your fingertip just to kind of get on there and, and, and broadcast. But it's not going to have the same power and it's not going to have the same reach and it's not going to have the same effect if you're doing so with a strategy and with knowing, hey, where I'm going to place most of my time and effort are the place where, number one, the audience that I'm trying to reach is actually going to be. So there's, so it's beyond you know, it's beyond, it's beyond Facebook, Facebook. right? <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, you if if you're selling, you know, if, if you're selling hoverboards, Facebook isn't even the place necessarily you want to be. You probably want to be on Snapchat and Instagram. So it all the when you know who you're trying to talk to and you know your audiences, you can tailor yourself and be much more effective with how you spend your time. I could be selling makeup and I could be talking all day at Facebook on Facebook, it's not going to be as, as, as useful as the time that I'm going to spend on Pinterest, right. for example, where most of the users are, are women and they go for a beauty, health and wellness type stuff. So yeah, you know, it's, it, it's really about knowing the platforms, what are the age and gender of the users, you know, where, what, what are the best times to reach these people when most people are online. You don't want to necessarily come out with a story or an article on a Monday morning when everyone's just like trying to get their head together. But on a Wednesday, by the time everybody's like hump day and looking for a little reprieve and, you know, yep. that's a much better time, you know, to, to, to put it out there. So, yeah, yeah, I think a lot, you know, times people um, don't kind of realize that their, their, you know, whether it's ads, so whether it's their money or whether it's their time or whether it's their efforts are just going to go so much further, you know, if you just kind of, if you have a plan. This goes uh, much deeper than a lot of people realize. And this is the one thing uh, that has always astounded me about millennials and working with millennials. And that is you are always thinking strategic. And part of it is it goes back to, as, as I talked about in my TED talk, you guys were raised on video games and, and online gaming, but also the social media platforms they're almost seamless to you. You don't even think about it. So in many ways, like if, if a boomer hired you, Sarah, they might not even know that right away, immediately, you're thinking about the brand. You're thinking about how the writing's going to impact their brand and how to reach their audience through all these different platforms. Am I correct on that? Oh, absolutely. And that's scary to some people because they think I think they think you know millennials are just playing around, but you guys are always thinking 
always planning, always dealing with, well, um, how's this going to sell more or how's this going to impact or how can I reach that target audience? So that's what I think is very cool about working with somebody like you. And what I think is great about you is you have a close relationship with your mom, so you also understand the boomer mindset uh, in many ways. Am I correct? A close relationship with my mom and my grandparents. Yeah, absolutely. So that's even, you know, I even go further back. One thing great, though, you know, about boomers like my mom, though, is they, is is a lot of them, even if they don't, if they get on social media and kind of see all this stuff happening and they don't, you know, know a whole lot of the the planning and the strategy that goes into it and that it's not just a write something, hit post, they are still open to, 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 to getting in there and trying it. I mean, I always laugh that my mom was actually on Facebook before me. Um, and I just think that's hilarious, you know, but it's, it, it's totally my mom's, you know, and this was many, many, many years ago, you know, so I think just even, you know, just that's great, just even the openness to just, to just dive in yeah. there, even if it's not something that's intuitively understood, but I totally get that, you know, and I go and my mom, you know, goes, okay, can you show me, how do I mention someone on Facebook or, you know, how do I, you know, retweet something on, on Twitter? And so, you know, in terms of like what you said about keeping that mindset, I get to see from the other side too of, okay, yeah, I remember when I was a new user and when these things were new, you know? So um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I like your mom. She's cool. And she has yet to meet me. <laughs> I know she wants to meet me, but the next time I'm in Vegas or San Diego, I'll, I'll, we'll meet. So that'd be great. She's totally looking forward to it. <laughs> good, good. Tom, um, you have a question on your mind. I know that uh, Sarah's into the arts and things like that. You want to you wanna throw that one out? Well, I have one that's not on your list. Can I ask you that, Sarah? Ooh, mystery you're gonna, question. You're going to have to think on your feet here. Uh, I, see, I see because you sent, me, you sent me pictures for the show. So I see, and maybe by research, you used to be a model. You're a pretty girl. Probably not the first time someone told you that. I saw that in California, and I was like, wow, that's a really pretty girl. So I always thought, that is a shallow way to make a living, and you wouldn't be able to trust any man who said hello. And you're making such a better contribution to the world now with all the cool things you're doing. Uh did there come an incident or a time where you're like, hey, this is this is not positive contribution to the world and not really where my passion is? First of all, thank you for the compliment. I clean up well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I it's so funny because I all I think a lot of it just kind of depends on how on your attitude and your mindset outwitting the devil, right? Um, I always had, I always looked at it as telling a story without words. That's kind of the, they could say a picture, you know, can speak a thousand words. So for me, um, it was fun, but, you know, and, and I wasn't necessarily, you know, you're absolutely correct, you know, um, 
you know, profound or, or contributing something to society that making the world a better place or anything. But I didn't get it like, oh, sitting here is a uh, motorized mannequin and, and just taking pictures. I mean, I co-created all of those pictures by, oh, let me try this and let me try that. And it was just another way for me to be express, to be creative and, and to show an expression. So it was something that I had an opportunity to do at the time. And I was still doing other things as well. But the opportunity came, so I jumped in. And as long as it was fun, I you know, it, 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 and, and I was having fun doing it, I did. And, and once I wasn't, then I stopped. Yeah, let, me, let me jump in here for a minute. I think, you know, I live in New York City. So I'm around models all the time, male and female. And I would have to say... Beauty will get you in the door. Let's put it that way. Beauty will get you in the door. It may get you to the top of the heap. But what can you deliver outside of that? And I think Sarah is one of the handful of people whose contribution goes way past that. You took that life of doing the modeling, and it opened up doors for you to go into Hollywood. It opened up doors for you to meet all these casting directors and directors and work on television shows even if it was in the background, and you've used that very strategically, which I don't think a lot of people do because they sit back and they go, I just want to be a model, I don't care, or I just want to be a bodybuilder, I don't care, you know, whatever your dream is. But uh, you took it to a whole completely different level, and that is, you know, you're obviously intelligent and smart and creative, and you work not only in front of the camera but behind the camera and also with the relationships, and also, you know, and this, this may be a curse, and it may be <laughs> a good thing at the same time, and that is you're a smart person uh, trapped inside a world that, that may not see certain things right off the bat, and you've taken advantage of that. And I think that's the power of somebody like you who uh, is sharp uh, and has a sharp wit about you. There's definitely a power in being underestimated as well, even though sometimes, right, if you just react with your ego, it's like, okay, you know, assume because I've done some modeling that, I, you know, that I'm superficial or I, you know, I have, I don't have things in beliefs and values that I care deeply about, you know, and some, it puts you at a position of advantage if you don't react just with your ego, right? And you, you, you lose it that way. Okay, underestimate me, you know? Yeah, you know, it is, you know, if you use it, you know, like you say, you know, I, I knew my end game. My end game wasn't just to, you know, sit there and, and you know, wear pretty clothes and have you know, people do my hair and makeup. Uh, my end game, like you say, always was to, to do more, to use, whether it was, you know, networking or exposure or whatever I got from it, yeah, to further to further the the goals that I had that were much more fulfilling to me in a deeper way. Yeah. Nice. Well, they say uh, Goldie Hawn. Uh, she everybody saw her as this bubblehead blonde who was on television, and especially back in the '60s when I was a kid. But they said when she walked into the negotiating table, she made guys shake in their shoes. People who've been negotiating their whole lives said, "You don't mess with Goldie Hawn." Because she is not the person she plays on TV. <laughs> okay, so I found that incredibly yeah. exciting. You know that that you. This is a character. This is what people don't realize. You play the character, uh, and it it helps you in in everything that you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't have changed it, you know, for the world because I think everything that I've done has gotten me to this place. And if somebody was going to be sent to my website because of a modeling picture, but on there they found there is a voice, which is, you know, my poem based on outwitting the devil. Well, then, hey, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm so bad, and I do this so often. We got all the way this far. And give people your website repeatedly. Uh, because I have a sister, Sarah, it's with an H, you don't have that H, and uh, I guess most people could spell Gabriella, but give it to us uh, <laughs> how it is, and spell it out, and make sure people know where to go find you. www.sarahgabriella.com, sarahgabriella.com. And it's basically an online portfolio where people can yeah, interact with. My poetry, they can find that infamous interview with former mayor Oscar Goodman and mafia lawyer extraordinaire um, and a lot of other, a, a lot of other stuff that I have on there. Very nice. SarahGabriella.com. Storyteller, basically. Whatever medium, writing, film, you got it covered. Uh, ghostwriting, that's, a, a, that's an amazing service. <laughs> And so, she's grounded in Napoleon Hill principles. So right. She's right. grounded. You can't go wrong. There you go. I, I, I got the best foundation. <laughs> right. So then based on that, what is your definite purpose? My definite mm-hmm. purpose is to use, you know, stories to to speak truth and expand awareness to, to awaken souls. Ooh, nice. nice. Ooh, awaken souls. Wow. That sounds so cool. <laughs> Yeah, that first. one sounds good, huh? It, it, yeah. it had some help from an amazing mentor. <laughs> That's the first thing I tell people to do. We're going to do your personal <laughs> mission statement. That's the first right. thing. Yes. That, that way you get yes. clarity. And that, that drives purpose. Cool. It sure does. And it saves you time because then you can say no to a lot of things because you're like, hey, I have a strong purpose and this is not related to it. Mine, if anyone wants to know, is to encourage as many people as possible to live positively with and through the many and varied challenges of life. So, Ooh. but that's just the first oh, sentence. I there's love like it. About, there's like five or six sentences in there, how to do that oh, and I love what it. to do. Yeah. So... Awakening souls. You, wow. Very cool. Yeah. Mine and, is. you know, I mean, that, right, isn't that the best, you know, power we have against drifting just by, yeah. you know, exactly. having a profound and strong sense, you know, and being grounded every day in what our purpose is. Yes. Right. Because if you write down your purpose and you really work at it and you find your power words that you use naturally, I mean, uh, look at our current president of the United States. He uses words like tremendous and stuff like that. And we can laugh at that, but those are natural coming out of his mouth. So what is natural coming out of your mouth? And those are power words. And sometimes you may have to up your game. But once you figure out your mission and your purpose, you don't have to write down affirmations every day. You kind of get up and you align with your affirmations. And everything flows from there. Um, My... Uh, mission statement is to ignite game-changing conversations between millennials, Generation X, and boomers 
in the age of radical disruption. Wow. Boom. That's wow. lightning That's in a bottle. Cool. And and yes. your purpose and I, Yeah, your purpose drives your intention. Right. I follow it, you on social media, um, Brad, so you know, it's I get to see you living out this purpose every day. Uh, when I see you know, the the articles and the speaking events and everything, you know, that you do and that you share and uh the the mastermind coaching and everything. So I mean, yeah, I see it. I see that purpose in action. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think I scare the hell out of people. <laughs> oh, well. This has been awesome. It has been a lot of fun. Uh, just as a reminder, sarahgabriella.com, S-A-R-A, and Gabriella. If you can't spell that, well, look it up. sarahgabriella.com. Uh, we're going to hear a lot more about her in the future. She's going to make, or maybe we won't with ghostwriting. That's the thing when I wrote this book is like, can I be mentioned somewhere? Like, how's this going to help me <laughs> right. at all? Like, hi. <laughs> and right. so we may not, we may not hear all the things you're doing, but we may be reading and connecting with them. Yeah, and I encourage anybody who wants to get a book out but it's too busy, hire Gabriella, Mistera Gabriella, uh, because let me tell you something. Uh, this will save you time. Uh, the money is well spent. Uh, and guess what? You're going to get somebody who interacts with you and works with you and things like this. So um, I encourage anybody, you know, I wrote my first book longhand, and um, I look at myself now and want to kick myself in the in the back of the head because <laughs> I should have had an, somebody at least help me. And I think somebody like Sarah um, is worth every uh, every ounce of money that you, you put over there. Every She's worth her weight in gold is what I want to really say because – you want to get that out there. You want to get your writing, your work, uh, whatever it is, out into the world as fast as possible. Amen. Thank you so Ooh, much. That wow. means a lot coming from both of you. You got it. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time today, Sarah and Brad. This was amazing. Thank you. Thanks Take for care. having me. You got it. Take care now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details.